I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Fashion No Filter, where we take you behind the scenes for an unfiltered version of all the madness. I'm Kami Sharia. And I'm Monica Inley. There is so much going on behind closed doors and we want to be your flies on the wall, the people bringing you all the things that you don't know about and that you've always wanted to know. Are you ready? Fashion No Filter wouldn't be possible without a lot of people coming together, but I wanted to take a second to thank our sponsor, Cointreau, who has really, really helped us get this off the ground and been really supportive in letting us do our own thing. Thank you, thank you so much. Today we're going to be talking about model citizens. The girls that are traditionally seen but not heard. That's right, it's the girls that aren't just a pretty face. So, we just want to say thank you so much for the astounding number of listeners to the first episode. We were so taken yeah, back. We were so really happy. And also thank you for your feedback. It's so nice to actually receive those direct messages from you. And something that we we were very interested to hear is who are you guys we want to know more about you so Camille Charrière LLP or what you went to law school I did go to law school I went to law school and then moved to London and did finance for two years and then had this epiphany where I suddenly realized that I wanted to be in the fashion industry I wanted to write I wanted to have a voice and I applied for a job at Net-a-Porter and they gave me a shot and I, I got my first experience in the fashion industry was on the editorial desk at Net-a-Porter and it was wonderful. And I think it's also what helped my Instagram feel a little bit more legit because ultimately I wasn't just a blogger, I was someone who was working in the industry. And then I was having to make decisions about not accepting really fun projects because of my day job. And ultimately, I decided to leave and to give this whole cyber life a go. And since then, I've been full time doing what no I do, which back. is blogging. Yeah. yeah, blogging and Instagramming and consulting. And you know what they call our generation? The slashers. Mm. The slashing generation, which Definitely. you are too, Monica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all journalists we're all slash stylists slash creative consultants slash model sometimes for clients. Like we do a bit of everything, right? How would yeah. you describe yourself? I am absolutely a slashy. Although what I will say is I knew I wanted to be a journalist, but I knew that I could never, never leave fashion. I mean, I specialized in the arts by the end of high school. I went to Edinburgh to study English and French literature. And then I went to broadcast journalism school as a master's. But fashion was just always going to be my specialism because why not do your hobby as a job, hey? Yeah. And actually, right after broadcast school, there was one outlier, 
one job that had absolutely nothing to do with fashion. And it was very exciting. But then I had shadily applied for an internship on the features desk at Vogue at the same time. And the rest is history. I went to Vogue. I worked on the features desk. They let me write the block. Those days, Vogue was just getting into being very snazzy online. And they let me write on the blog. Anyway, after Vogue, uh, I ended up getting a position at Avenue 32. Then Joseph snatched me, which uh, turned out to be two of the best years of my career so far. And then briefly went to Netaporte as well before going freelance, which again, I have to say was one of the scariest and very, very best decisions of my life. That's incredibly rewarding. Amen. This morning, we had a cup of coffee and a chat with former Alexander McQueen muse turned presenter Jade Parfit. Jade, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Can you tell us a bit about your life story? Yes, I was born in London. I have two sisters, one older, one younger. I was very tall and very thin. So I didn't kind of consider myself one of the kind of pretty girls at school. You know, when you're 15, you just want to like have a pair of tits and like... (laughs) be a normal height and not have like size eight feet. I would have done you know? anything for the tits at 15. <laughs> yes. My mum entered me into a modelling competition on a show called This Morning and the public had to phone in and vote for their favourite model and somehow I won. So it was hilarious. There's this very funny clip of me looking properly shocked when I win this competition and that was with um, in alliance with Models One and that's how I started modelling. And did you just go full-time from there two weeks later I came to London on my own on the train which was quite a big deal because I was only 15 and um, went to meet a very new cool photographer called Craig McDean yes so I did that first shoot with Craig then I got a call from my agent she said we're gonna have to go to Milan because I've just booked you Prada and I didn't even know what Prada was at the time (laughs) which sounds absurd now because every 15 year old now knows what Prada is but I didn't read magazines then really so I I genuinely didn't know that was the first time I ever hit a runway and it was like literally every supermodel you've ever heard of like from Linda Evangelista to Kate Moss Nadia Auerman all those girls and then like me like that like shaking in the corner having a rescue remedy what stands out to you about that time because we think that the industry's changed a little bit since then but for you does it like when you look back at those first few shows in the 90s and the 90s supermodels and the girls that you were walking with was there, there a different ambiance or 100% yeah I mean um, the vibes backstage for example like you know people were drinking people were smoking it was a lot more kind of like rock and roll you always see those backstage pictures of Kate just yeah I mean, one hand. you would literally get to a show sometimes at seven in the morning and people would be drinking because there was loads of champagne sponsorship and it was kind of you know like it seems bizarre I mean I guess it's not like we were all alcoholics, but I'm sure there were a few of them. But it was a much smaller community as well. So now, you know, I did a show just before I had my baby a year ago. And um, I got there sort of thinking, oh, I bet they've got lots of girls from my era or different, you know, and they hadn't. And they didn't even know each other, all these other models, because there's what just was the so show? many models now. That's the thing. Um, it was a Gautier show. 
Oh, he's fantastic. Uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier was the first fashion show I ever went to. Really? Was it? Yeah, when I was young, I was working as a hostess. And because I was fluent, spoke English, I, I got to be the one seating the VIPs, oh. which meant that I got to sort of sit and watch the show. I and have been in it. And the first model who walked was a girl walking the runway smoking cigarettes. And it was the year that France had passed the law, la loi Evin, against uh, smoking in yeah. public places. I was in that show. Oh yeah. my goodness, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You've met before, this. what, 10 years ago? That's so funny. Yeah. What made you eventually decide to transition into a presenter as well? Well, that happened a lot later. Yeah. I guess I'd already been modeling for 10 years. Yeah. And um, I had just had my son, um, Jackson. And I think when you're a model as well, you grow up very fast. You know, I've been working since 15. So by the age of 27, I felt like, you know, I was 45 because I'd kind of traveled. I'd been so independent. I'd made money. I'd done a lot of things where I'd used my contacts to do something else, but not in a way that I'd monetized it for myself. And then Dolly Jones, who at the time was the editor of Vogue.com in the UK, came to me and said, you know, we're looking for presenters. Would you be interested in just going along to the Met Ball and covering that for us? And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Well, why not? The idea really scares me. And it's quite good to scare yourself sometimes. <laughs> I think if you are somebody like me who has a busy mind, you know, yeah. I like to be busy. So I think that's in initially why I started doing charity projects. Also, because I felt really lucky. I felt like I'd been put in this really like amazing position. And why not kind of use that to make money for good causes as well? So, so that was a really good thing. But those, those projects run, have an end and then you're on to the next thing. Is there an element also of like looking for your own voice? Because you often hear models complaining about the fact that they become sort of a clothes hanger and that they don't get to express themselves. I think the job of a model, somebody said, it's like being a silent actress. You're there to kind of like make everyone else's fantasy come true. And that can be really fun, but it can also be really frustrating mm. if you're also creative and you've got your own ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I think, you know, I've just launched my own YouTube channel. It's really small, but it's really nice that I have my own project and I really enjoy doing little things for that because obviously I'm still filming for other people and I'm, you know, but it's just nice to have my my own little baby as well. Yeah. And I think that is why social media has taken off in such a huge way because everybody has a voice. That's the thing. I think that's one of the big differences about the industry now, actually, is that models can be more proactive than they could in my day yeah. because of things like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can be a bit more proactive, I think, because of those things. But I think on the other hand, it's probably a real pressure that adds to their stress levels as well. The only thing that I think we also wonder about models, you know, it's that thing of girls not being taken seriously because you are modelling and that you can be sort mm. of brushed aside and, and your intelligence sort of becomes secondary to who you are. Well, I think it's very easy for people to um, belittle models by saying they're not clever. I think actions speak louder than words. And also, having been in the industry for a very long time, I know that it's actually really hard work being a model. Mm. Yeah. And um, and it's only girls that are clever that are successful because that's very interesting. You would lose your mind otherwise. Yeah. Even now, you see the models that kind of make it, the ones that are coming through, do have a big personality. Because it's the people you want. Cara. I mean, look at Cara Delevingne, but look not at Jordan just Dunn, yeah. look at you know, 
you know, Mika, yeah, all Mika. these girls, you mm. know who they are. You don't even need a second name because they, they are strong characters. Yeah. So, Jade, thank yeah. you so much. Oh, that's amazing. amazing. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Dressed for Radio, where we tell you what we're wearing because you can't see it. So we are, we're actually matching again today. Absolutely. We're both in incredibly beautiful Palace suits. For people who don't know, Palace is a tailoring brand. Which, in Paris. Yeah. These suits are perfectly movable. They're perfectly made. They hold you in the right ways. They kind of help you sit up straight, which is an issue for I me. I think each suit is made by one single person. Mm. One person does the whole suit so that you don't have... But there is also symbolism, as is often the case in fashion, in what we're wearing, because uh, we are wearing these in homage to the great Hillary Clinton, who showed up at the inauguration with her chin held high and in a beautiful white suit herself. And I am wearing a, a cream palace suit, and Kemi, my better half, is in your a... Nemesis. <laughs> is, I'm your nemesis. Is, is, in a, is in a lovely black tailored suit. And uh, these allowed us to run around and ask everyone at the extraordinary women's march we all took part in this weekend a lot of questions. Actually, what allowed us to run around is our little nod to uh, Models Off Duty, it's the eternal converse. Worked in. Black and white, because I always wear my white converse and Monica always wears black. I don't know Scooting why. Scooting shoes. So we scooted around and we asked a lot of ladies and gentlemen and their daughters and their grannies why they were marching in the Women's March in Paris. Um, so I march because uh, someone like Donald Trump, as the most powerful man in the world, with the ideas he has and the idiocy that he has, is just fucking terrifying to me. Uh, pardon my French, we are in France after all. Um, and also because this is uh, also a women's rights march, and that's also something that's under fire in the United States and elsewhere. And uh, this is a fight that never ever fucking stops. Whenever we think that it's uh, th that something is safe, that rights are safe, that women's rights are safe, uh, there's always tr someone trying to walk them back, and uh, we can't let them walk them back. Yeah. yeah, I'm Russian because I'm Russian, and because now in Russia they want to cancel punishment for domestic violence, and I really hate it. So they want to make it legal beat your wife or your child. On the phone all the way from Brooklyn, we're lucky enough to be speaking to Sarah Ziff, a model and an activist. You may have heard of her. She made the wonderful documentary called Picture This, which exposed some of the lesser known and uglier sides of the glamorized fashion industry. Hi, Sarah. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. So, Sarah, you're known not only for your success as a model, but also for the documentary that Camille mentioned, which is wonderful, and also for your advocacy work for better working conditions in the modeling industry. So I just want to go back and ask you, when and how did you realize that this kind of work was necessary and that you wanted to do it? Well, I, it really grew out of my own personal experience working in the industry. And I'm the first to say I was really lucky in my modeling career um, and was fortunate to work with a lot of wonderful creative people. 
But I also experienced some of the pitfalls of working in what is still essentially an unregulated industry. From a young age, I started at 14 when I was scouted on the street by a photographer. So, yeah, that's what led me to document my experiences and show both the good and the bad and raise awareness for the need for an organization, which I later founded, Mm -hmm. the Model Alliance, which works to promote better working conditions for models in the U.S., And under your leadership, the Model Alliance uh, reclassified models in the U.S. under 18 as child laborers. Is that correct? Yeah. So, I mean, I think most people would be surprised to know that unlike child actors and singers and dancers, child models, models under 18 years old in New York State, which is sort of the center of the fashion industry in the U.S., didn't have any labor protections whatsoever. So, you know, when we formed the Model Alliance, we looked at the laws on the books, we realized that they had no protections, labor protections, and so uh, we worked with lawmakers to change the law and reclassify them as child performers who deserve the same rights and protections as any other kid working in the entertainment industry. Agreed. Were you walking this weekend? Yeah, we wanted to get your opinion on something we've just been talking about earlier this episode, which is the strength with which the fashion industry has actually become more political this year than ever before, uh, you know, with all sorts of magazines actually throwing their weight behind a particular candidate. And there were an enormous amount of fashion people, quote unquote, marching this weekend. What do you make of that? Oh, man. I mean, this last week has been uh, such a roller coaster ride. I uh, was absolutely devastated um, when Donald Trump won the election. Uh, and I certainly marched this past Saturday uh, in Washington and um, am part of the resistance and feel like it is more important than ever to be politically engaged and um, and make your voice heard. And I mean, because we cannot be complacent at this point. Um, I think it's extremely scary uh, what we're seeing, the attack on the environment, yes. uh, his, yeah. his people who he's um, appointing to cabinet positions who have no business running those agencies. We need fashion publications um, like Teen Vogue have been doing an amazing job. We've talked about yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, so it's actually, I think it's really encouraging, and then I think we can see this as an opportunity for um, young women and men um, to use their visibility for something bigger than promoting, you know, what kind of lipstick they wear. I mean, this isn't specific just to the modeling industry or fashion. I I think that a lot of people who have not been, uh, not considered themselves activists um, are are getting plugged in. They're waking up. They're feeling like they need to do more. Sarah, thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you. If you want to learn more, um, the Model Alliance website is modelalliance.org. Great. Super. Thank you. This is Fashion No Filter. Coming up on the show, we have influencers and who we are stalking right now. Um... Cam? Yes? Are you on your phone again? Sorry. <laughs> Let's focus this in. Which Can we have a social you? media break, Let's please? have a social media Thank break. Thank you. What models are you particularly following right now? And why? 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My number one account, I think, uh, for model to follow is Larry Hoffman. I have a huge girl crush on her. The girl is possibly the hottest thing on Larry, the planet. we're going to talk about you in every episode until you become our friend. Mm-hmm. She's the hottest thing on the planet, but also like incredibly cool, like a wonderful eye for art. Beautiful art. Quite engaged as well. Like recently I've noticed like mm-hmm. with all the Trump stuff, um, she's been putting up very political posts as well. Mm-hmm. And her content is just absolutely exquisite and just unlike anything you've ever seen I really like Instagram accounts that are super original and hers definitely has that wow factor so who else are you following who else am I following oh my goodness Tilda 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 who has Tilda um, you dream keep posting why have you stopped Tilda has Tilda has dropped off the face of the planet the cyber planet sorry not the planet hopefully for those who don't know who we're talking about right now Tilda Lindstrom at Tilda Lindstrom on Instagram is one of the cleverest models around. Opunbar. She open is bar. the punniest person yeah. on Instagram. Her Instagram account is pandemonium, basically. It's every caption has got like a ridiculously funny uh, quip. The, she does it all looking magnificent. But uh, on the political theme of this week, I am very impressed by people like Camilla Deterre, who, if you don't follow her, she's great. She's known not only for exposing, not covering up her under-eye circles, which is a real inspiration to me and fellow dark-eye circle sufferers. Uh, She looks gorgeous, of course. And she also is incredibly politically active in a way that doesn't alienate people, but kind of just says, come along with me. Uh, I also think that Andrea Diddy... Yes. on Instagram is very inspirational, for, very inspirational for her work. And also, like, as you were saying, um, got really involved with the the uh, presidential campaign with Vogue, posting a lot, um, encouraging girls to vote, on top of, like, being drop-dead gorgeous and really funny. We are here with 
the model and actress Emmy Waterhouse. Emmy, thank you for for having us over. You're so welcome. <laughs> thank you. And it's... for the hot chocolates. Monica said briefly that you were a model and actress. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about how you got into all of that? And Acting's always been what I really want to do. And I went to a little... Don't have a passion for fashion. fashion. No, I love, I love, you got to love fashion. I think actually fashion for me came a bit later in terms of understanding it. So is modeling like a means to an end for you? It's great because it allows me to be able to act. Do <laughs> you worry about the idea that models should maybe a little bit more be seen and not heard? Do you ever experience that? Is that part mm. of your wish to be an actress? I think art gives a vessel and it's so powerful like the fashion world has a lot of power and like saying the acting and everything yeah. that they need to be part of it to yeah. to get the cogs going I think to really inspire people and push them and show them you know through music through everything so um the all-seeing eye of Instagram told us that you were at the women's march a few weeks ago I was actually in LA I love a march and uh <laughs> I think this whole recent everything going on, I think is really lit a fire in people. And I think it's really exciting to see a lot of young people really getting out and actually making a conscious effort to go and be there. There's a whole thing of our generation being like collectivists and it's all, you know, you share something on Facebook or you do an Instagram and you've done your bit and you've, you, you feel good about yourself or whatever. But I think this was an example of everyone actually using social media as a form to bring people together and really show what the power in numbers. I almost want you to read the caption that you wrote. So for maybe first just describe what's in the picture. Uh, this is a picture of me and my sister kind of fist pumping the air in downtown LA the day of the Women's March. Um, Suki wearing a t-shirt with... She is. Free the nipple. Yeah. Beautiful. Nice boobs. Okay, so I wrote... Sisters for all the sisters, magic all around today, feeling the power of support for one another, putting our power into practice, using our voices for the sisters who can't, getting up and taking action and looking out for our Mother Earth. Martin Luther King said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Silence isn't an option. Here's to strong women. May we know them. May we be them. May we raise them. Hashtag March for Women. (laughs) Yeah, I, I really love that. Are there other things yeah. that you've supported this year? Yeah, I mean, I used to be a bit scared of posting anything political. I think since Brexit happened, that was the first time for a lot of people that everyone got on board and everyone was like, we need to do something. And I think a lot of people did start using their platforms in a more political way. You know, there's a fear of losing followers or whatever. Yeah, I mean, or getting trolled. I think this is this kind of new wave of feminism of really picking up on just the smaller things in day-to-day life that maybe before you kind of wouldn't because you were scared of getting told that you were being dramatic or Mm. like stop being uncool I think now is actually people are quite acutely aware of it a bit more and it's yeah I completely agree would you say that you have more of a responsibility if you do have a growing social following like yourself and a platform to use as a voice to speak out yeah I do think that is a responsibility like with anything I'm aware that like younger girls and boys would might follow me and so with anything I post I've always kind of got that in the back of my mind I always think of my little cousin I'm like oh if I post this she's gonna see this thank you so much for sitting down with us is there anything that we're gonna see you in soon that we can look forward to 
Um, I'm actually shooting a short film that I wrote this weekend. That you wrote? Amazing. Yeah. Look at that. Just What's shooting it, called? it in it. It's called Fish. Fish? Yeah. Well, it's quite a simple piece, but it's just kind of actually quite relevantly, like post-Brexit, post-Trump, that feeling of complacency of a kind of young adult and finding their place in the world. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. And um, we look forward to it. Thank you. This week on Risk Takers, we want to call out an amazing article that was published in Teen Vogue last month, where possibly where you would least expect it, although major props to Teen Vogue, there was a great piece on gaslighting and specifically how Trump is gaslighting America and possibly the world. So just for those of you who don't know, uh, gaslighting by definition is to manipulate someone by psychological means into doubting their own sanity. And leading on from that, I will say it has been incredibly impressive and empowering the way in which the fashion industry has approached this. Now, certain magazines like American Vogue have done something they've rarely, if ever, done before, which is to actually take a political stance. So, bravo, and may it continue. Really. Yeah, may it continue. And last but not least, we have a very, very special interviewee who... um. It's a very special place in Monica's heart, actually. And I guess our voice of the older generation. Right. So next we're going to talk to my gran. And <laughs> I will say I am not... Granny just, Ainley. I'm not just a fan because she's my beloved grandma who is now uh, well over 90 and still incredibly sharp and fun. We did our interview over a couple of vodka tonics. Good times, but also because um, she was she was kind of uh, a groundbreaker in her time. She was from a more traditional English family, but she uh, ran off with a Canadian, uh, moved to Paris, and was one of Madame Calvin's muses right after the war. Before she moved to Canada, uh, which at the time was basically nowhere. Everybody over eighteen had to pull their way for the war effort. Mm. So you either joined the Wrens or the WAFs or the ADS or the Land Army. And I was living in the country then, and so uh, to begin with, I thought, well, perhaps the Land Army would be a good idea. And we had some friends who had a very nice farm in the village, and I asked the, the husband who ran the farm, if he could teach me how to milk a cow because I think one needed to know how to milk a cow if you were going into the land army. And I spent many early mornings up at the farm trying to learn how to milk a cow. And I said, his name was Gurney, I said, Gurney, I don't think I'm ever going to make a farmer. <laughs> so I gave that up. So, so girls like you who had been at boarding school and this and that, suddenly the work came and you were doing all sorts of everything. And then afterwards, going out and finding work, like modelling or whatever it was, was suddenly very fashionable, you say? Well, I think I was hugely fortunate. Why I chose modelling, I don't know. I think perhaps I'd been... Why do girls love clothes? They do, don't they, at a certain age? Yes. And at all ages right <laughs> and I think it did have something to do with what I said originally that we'd been deprived of clothes during the war 
When you have to wear a nasty little navy blue uniform day in and day out, you get a bit bored with it. Yeah. And so I think it was a natural, really. But then the whole industry of modeling changed very rapidly into, and I don't want to sound as I'm being critical, but into very much an entertainment, right. a song and dance routine. Because as opposed to what? What was it before? As opposed to, it was before? very dignified. Mm-hmm. And it was about? Showing clothes made on you, so they were beautifully made on you. It wasn't a garment that... It wasn't a dispo- Would you say that today there's a disposable element to what's going on? I would. I don't think the quality is there. But not long, I mean, I think still in Paris, and you would know this better than I do, and in London, there are great couturiers who make the clothes on the girls who are going to show them. Or do they just make a line of clothes and then hire the girls and they come in and hope they fit them? It depends. Because not all boobs come in exactly the same place, do they? They certainly do not. (laughs) I'm not very good at understanding why the change happened. A lot more people after the war suddenly wanted to go into the fashion business. Because everything was in short supply, you know, nail varnish was in short supply. Everything that women love to have now to, to make them look glamorous. I mean, the word glamorous hardly existed in those days. It was all Jesus sandals and hairy legs, wasn't it? <laughs> Not quite. I'm being unfair there. That's the Ooh. coat in the gorgeous ad. And um, here it says, when June Ainley stepped onto the runway in the Windsor room of the Windsor Hotel yesterday afternoon, she wore a magnificent, majestic mink coat. I love whoever wrote this. Majestic mink coat designed by Carbon. And there you are with Madame Caron. Why were there so few English models? Because uh, during the war we were not allowed to travel. Oh, I see. Nobody was allowed to travel. So there were very few people living, English people living in Paris then because it had been occupied by the Germans. And uh, then there were restrictions on travel and also huge restrictions on how much money you could take. But we were living in Paris. Patrick was paid in Paris by the United Nations. So I was very fortunate. I was one of the first to go there. And so I was a bit of a novelty. Ah, yes. As Carven said, mon enlefant anglaise. An English elephant. That's right, because I was taller than the other girls. Because all the little French girls were teensy. Well, they weren't teensy, but they were... They were tall as French women went. Yes, but they were a few inches shorter than I was. And I think I had squarer shoulders than they did and was sort of just a bigger frame. Now, I was in a movie called Oh, Heavenly Dog, and the stars in it were Chevy Chase... Jane Seymour and Omar Sharif. How have you never told me this? Did I never tell you that? So Omar Sharif and I spent a day together waiting to be filmed and Jane Seymour and I were also there. Uh, 
Wait, uh, what was your part? My part was to be secretary, and there I am dressed up as secretary to the Prime Minister, the British Prime Minister, who was part of this movie. I must say, I was a little bit frightened of Omar Sharif because he was very famous then, but he couldn't have been nicer. At one point we were sitting waiting to go on to the set and it was a Sunday and nothing much was happening and he had the New York Times and um, he said to me, um, could you just read me that column because he was too vain to put on his glasses, which I did and I realised I was reading copper prices on the stock market. And he then said, thank you, June, that will do very nicely. And he called to John Stride, who is playing the role of the Prime Minister in the movie, and he said, John, if you would just go out and buy a lot of copper shares today, you would not only be able to buy that villa on the Mediterranean that you're always bleating about, you'd be able to buy the whole effing Mediterranean. And I came home and I said to a friend of mine who was a woman stockbreaker, uh, I'd like to buy some copper shares. And she said, oh yes, why? And I said, well, because I've had a very good tip about it. And she said, oh, who gave you the tip? So I said, oh, my sherry. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, she said, oh, because he was a wealthy man, as well as a film star. And I didn't have very much money, but um, I did buy the shares and they did make me quite a lot. So it's time for Avo on Toast. I'm going to tell you where my favourite sort of sexy glam hotspot to hang out is when I'm feeling when I'm feeling particularly fashion-y. It's Casa Cruz in Notting Hill. Oh yeah, shout out. Casa Cruz, we have some strong personal affiliations with. They're great friends of ours. Great it's friends. run by two fantastic men uh, who have taken an actual gap in the market because Notting Hill did not have a super chic hotspot. I will say it's one of those places you will want to eat everything on the menu. So it's uh, from Argentina, the food, with a sort of very modern... Twist. twist. Yeah, my favorite is the burrata and the pasta. I, I recently had a fashion dinner there and it was a set menu and they, they put only healthy options and I had to, I literally went downstairs and requested that they make sure that pasta was brought to my table because you can't go to Casa Cruz and not have some of the carbs. They're fantastic. You also can't go to Casa Cruz and not see a sea of models enjoying themselves, yeah. enjoying the cocktails, the company. The London girls, I guess, like all the, you know, for the real. poppies and the caras. And the, the nice park. thing is you can actually also just go for a drink after dinner, even though it's not a bar. Upstairs, you can go up and just have a, yeah, just sit down and have a drink, which I think is, again, in Notting Hill, there's not many places where you can do that. Well, that's all, folks. Thanks for listening to Fashion No Filter. Thank you very much to our guests. And Cointreau. My Instagram is at Monica Inley. And my Instagram is at Camille Charrier. 
Passion No Filters is a Samfry Limited production. Cam, should we thank Andrew, our producer? Nah. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.